says, get that India, big boy. Welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me to preview all of the action for the Parramatta Eels in round 16 is my good mate, 60s. Always a blast to have you on the show, mate. Good to have the Eels back playing some footy, eh? Yeah, it is, mate. And uh, it seems like only yesterday we were last talking. <laughs> Literally <laughs> and figuratively, eh? Uh, yes, uh, those uh, <laughs> midweek recordings, when they get pushed back just one day, it sort of crams the cycle, doesn't it? Mate, I've been warming up for this weekend. I was at Eels training last night in the cold up at Kellyville. They did a night session up there. And uh, it was just the sort of session that had me thinking they're ready for this. I, I've I've got my little um, clues that I look for in the way the session runs for how they're going to perform. And I think it was just the right sort of session to say that their, their heads will be in the game. It was, it was uh, one, you, how can I put it? You don't want sessions where everything works like clockwork and you don't want <laughs> sessions where everything goes awful. You want something that's a little bit in between. And yeah. I think I saw that. And it's weird and to say that, but every, every time you've seen, like the flawless captain's run or preparation for a game, it feels like we've come out flat. So having that little bit of room to improve tends to be a good thing for the team. That's it, exactly. So um, yeah, it, it felt good to be back in the groove of going and being able to catch a bit of training. Circumstances have prevented me from getting to as many sessions as I would have liked to uh, recently. It's just one of those things, life and what it throws at you. But uh, it was good to be back there last night and, uh, yeah, all warmed up and ready to go for today, mate. And, of course, whenever we do back-to-back days of recording, it feels like there's a big bombshell that you know, somehow fits between the start of recording for one and the conclusion of the recording of that first one and then going to the next one. But for the first time in a while, it feels like nothing – I want to say nothing serious happened. I think Guffo and Moses were on the Matty John show. I think that's about it. There was no revelation that came out involving the NRL or the Parramatta Eels once. So it is nice to not have to stop everything and say, hey, guys, I know we've got to do the previews, but let's talk about this first. So let's just get- now and, and just on that session with um, Moses and Gutho, would that have been recorded at the start of the year when they were doing all the promos for the television broadcasts for the season? I think they do that stuff in batches. So I wouldn't have been shocked, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm. I just have it in my head, you know, seeing them there. They're there in all their uh, in the Parramatta gear. Um, I, I just have the feeling it was done around some promotional filming. Mm-hmm. So, and and whether that was more recently or whether it was recorded at the start of the year, I just have it in the back of my mind that maybe it was recorded earlier in the year. But anyway, well, uh, it, it was it was typical. Fletch and Hindy Fair really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> um, but as we look at these previews, mate, it's round 16 across the board for the Flag Cup and NRL, which means it's beanies for brain cancer round. Mark Hughes Foundation setting up to uh, raise money for brain cancer, awareness, research, cure, all that sort of stuff. 
They're planning to raise $3 million and sell 175,000 beanies across uh, the eight NRL games taking place. And I think you can get them in IGA and a few other places too. Um, Nine and Fox are on board too, which is obviously a fantastic cause. We start tomorrow. Uh, it was originally at Iron Park, Iron Bark uh, Sports Complex, which is traditionally known as Redfern Sportsfield or Redfern Oval. Now moved to Kellyville Park. So the Eels getting, it's happened a couple times this year, having an away game converted into an impromptu home game. I, I'm not sure what the circumstances are behind the uh, rescheduling, but it is fortuitous for the Blue and Gold. They're taking on the South Sydney Rabbitohs, as you might imagine, given that it was originally taking place out of Redfern. Uh, the Eels looking to get back on track in the flag. They've got a team that has one mystery uh, absentee, which we'll talk about very quickly, but... As it's named, Duntori Louis at fullback. They've got Moala, Graham Talfa, and Matthew Komalafi on the wings. Samuel Loizu is one of the centres with TBA to be announced in the other slot. Jabril Kalachi and Ethan Sanders are the halves. In the front row, it's Taylor Mawala and David Hollis as the bookends. Cruz Natili Schmidt a dummy half. His brother Felix Natili Schmidt will be in one of the edge positions with Ryan Jones and Brock Parker at lock forward, rounding out that back row. On the bench, Jacob Davids is the relief dummy half. Jack Colavati, Tony Matelli, and Larry Mwagatutia back from the under-19s origin victory. Obviously good to have Larry backing up. Good to see Tony back from a bit of a layoff he had from, was it the Manly game, 60s? Uh, and then yeah. Lockie Blackburn is the 18th man. Yes, yeah. So um, uh, what's your thoughts, mate? I mean, we're, we're looking at the ladder. And well, it's ten v it's ten v twelve. That's right. It's ten v twelve in a twelve team competition. Uh, the Rabbitohs team was it, is it two wins, three wins, three wins. Uh, so they're they're not doing too flash. The Eels on five wins aren't exactly you know the hottest of uh, stuff themselves. But with their five wins, they are got an equal share of of what is eighth place right now. Uh, so what's holding them back is the buys in favor of the Thunderbolts. The Thunderbolts have had two buys. The Parramatta is one. So the points there obviously added up there. And Manly gave the Thunderbolts a bit of a hiding last night. There you go. And and the Eels obviously let slip their game against Victoria most recently um, in what might have actually cost Ethan Sanders a spot in the Origin team because that's what uh, uh, ended up being a duel between... Uh, was it Jonah Pezzett? Uh, who yep. went on to have a very good game for the Blues. Yeah, looking at this game, 60s... I mean, I hate to say it so often with the flag, but... It just comes down to them holding on to the ball and then just getting through their shapes correctly. And it's what's been so... Yeah, it uh, look... Yeah, so difficult for them this year. Yeah, completions, mate. Yeah. Just and straight out completions. It, it is the most basic thing to bang on about, but that is seriously what's held this team back, is turning the ball over at inopportune times and inopportune places on the field and almost you know directly inviting their opposition to score. Well, we saw what happened when they held on to the ball and absolutely demolished the Raiders down in Canberra. What mm-hmm. was it, 40 nil? 40 nil. Something like Yeah, 40 nil. And were in complete control all through the game. And, and it was as simple as just set completions and playing a, a simplified game. Now, um, I think... Having Cruz Nutili Schmidt back in at dummy half is is obviously going to be a key uh, factor in the in the Eels' spine. I 
I suppose the thing that's been a little bit awkward has been the fact that they've had a number of different combinations with Ethan Sanders in the halves this year. You've got um, Jabriel Kalashi, who had quite a good game for Lebanon mm-hmm. in that test match with Malta. And I know that that match featured a lot of players who were either at that level or uh, maybe at New South Wales Cup level, certainly a lot that were also at Ron Massey and Sydney Shield level that were selected in that team. It wasn't as if it, wasn't as if it was a, um, a test match involving players who were playing NRL, but you can only do what, you know, what you can do yourself out there on the field. And, and uh, Kalashi was one of the best out there on the field. Mm-hmm. So, and that was playing in the five, eight position personally, I've always liked him out in the centres because yeah, he's a very he's a very athletic build, and when he's when he's running that ball hard, he's a handful for the opposition to contain. Yeah, I think there's a good centre or edge back rower in there at some point, but yeah, he's being thrown into the halves to partner Sanders, and like you said, that volatility in the halves has been part of the reason that the Eels have been so hamstrung. And on, on top of that, you mentioned Cruz Natalie Schmidt being uh, a big inclusion for the Eels, that's another problem is that at dummy half we've had a lot of injuries and, and guys of running repairs sort of uh, trying to replace Cruz. So having a bit of stability in the spine will go a long way towards getting this team on the right track. But outside of that scope, just in a general sense, they, they drop the ball too much. Uh, it's It's been frustrating as a fan. I can only imagine as part of the team how annoyed at themselves they must be. But putting that besides uh, behind us, because you know you look at that ladder position, this is a game they should get out and win. Uh, but outside of that as well, we've got a vacancy in the centres. How are we expecting this one to play out, mate? Lockie Blackburn's the 18th man. We know he's played a fair bit of centres this year. Uh, is there anyone else that could be in uh, in line to get back into the team? Well, we've had uh, Corey Fenning, who's been out for a, a while, and I'm sort of wondering, um, he must be getting close to being back in action. If if it was just a matter of him getting through this week's training, maybe they're making their mind up about whether they play uh-huh. him or it was the Blackburn. Same same game with Tony Mattelli, wasn't it, that cost Corey Fenning such a long time out at Manly. Oh, sorry, Manly at Ringrose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's <clears throat> it yeah, that's I, I guess that's a possibility. I mean you've got Obviously, we've got a lot of players there that are uh, that are out of action in the um, in the team. So, um, yeah, well, in, the, yeah. in the back line, they're missing Alpha Miller, Stephen, Josh Tuapulotu. Uh, obviously, Corey Fenning is maybe an inclusion, but in the forward pack, uh, Jonte Junior, Beffen Mies is out, Peter Tateo's out, Nikhil Raffle's gone. So, I'm not sure if it's been uh, injuries, suspensions, or, or something else to play, but the team's missing a few players this week. Yeah, so... I mean, big big and, in that we didn't talk about Samuel Luizu too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he's he's a he's a, a big inclusion in the team at this level. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's probably frustrating for him because he he's recently had that hamstring niggle that um, kept him out of the New South Wales Cup, and he's obviously been uh he he's sort of uh he had a couple of games off the bench didn't he on return yeah from, a couple uh, of games with limited time because coinciding of his uh hamstring niggle you saw tom opachik drop back to the team 
uh, and a couple other players uh, get right, which meant that it gave him a very crowded back line very quickly. Yeah, so given his age, he can he can drop back to this level. But you know, I also think to myself, it's not ideal because you you want a player that's going to be a, an NRL player of the future. And I mean, he's already got an NRL game uh, on his resume. Mm-hmm. You'd want them to be playing at as high a level as possible. Um, we know as well that uh, Opacic is moving on next year. So, uh, but he hasn't even been named, has he, in the New South Wales no, Cup? No, so he, he's currently floating between NRL and New South Wales Cup, unnamed between either roster. So I think that was the case last time they played too, wasn't it, where he wasn't named and Reggie's ended up taking his place there against North Sydney. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how the how the teams take to the field this week. But I'm going to tip uh, an Eels victory in this, and I'm – Although there's a lot of players that are missing and there's the odd familiar face in the South Sydney team, uh, players that have... Yeah, Oscar Mazoma off the bench, and I'm pretty certain their starting prop, Isaiah Valalo, was someone that the Eels either signed or or was in the system a couple of years back. And um, obviously, if he was, he's not here anymore, but he's starting for the Rabbitohs. And then looking at their out list, who played last week but not playing this week or last game not last week, uh, was Penny Tohi. So he was in our system for a few years too. So there's a couple of familiar faces there. Yeah, and uh, also on their extended oh, yeah, Keelan Bray. Yeah, Keelan Bray. Keelan Bray, who was, uh, who was with Eels SG Ball team mm-hmm. last year. So, um, yeah, a few familiar faces that are, that are there. Um, I think, I'm just trying to think whether South had a relationship with one of our clubs. Um. The the Hills District have one with North Sydney. I don't know. I, I think there was – I think South might have for a period of time. But It's Cabaret, anyway. the Bulldogs. Uh, there's there's a few, like, you know, sort of soft connections with other NRL clubs these days, yeah. Yeah, so – but anyway, um, I'm expecting that the Eels will win this comfortably. And I and I say that with, a, with fingers crossed <laughs> as yeah. well because you're, – you're, you're braver than I am this week. Yeah, well, look, we're we're going to provide a uh, a blog of some description this week, mate. Whether you're able to get out out there and do it, or whether um, you get a a sixties uh, bare minimum score update. The, your bare uh, minimum is pretty good, though. I have to say, your updates are, have gotten pretty pretty good this year. Oh, mate, you, I tell you what, you can have you can have that to yourself. No, <laughs> no, no one. No, I, I, I don't have the multitasking skills that you do. When so, if someone's trying to talk to me while I'm updating, um, I, I'm already, I'm zoned in on what I'm doing. I, I can't do the, the conversation with someone, take phone calls, watch the match, and blog at the same time. I'm there on my phone, and I, I probably look like um, someone who's uh, in their own little world madly typing with the thumb on on the phone keys but um yeah so so whatever we do you're going for the uh, comfortable win we're going to provide something in the way of updates um during that match which kicks off at 10 30 up at kellyville kellyville yep and you're going for the comfortable win i'm far less confident Uh, i i would not be surprised this ends up being a coin flip game 
Um, obviously, you want to see the Eels get the W, so I will tip a tight victory. The The scoreline, I think it'll be something in the 20s for both teams, whether it's 28-20 uh, for Parramatta or something like that, maybe. Well, I'm going to go 40 to 14 to Parramatta. Okay, well, I, I like the confidence, and I'm hoping that you, your prediction is closer to the truth, mate. Yeah, well, look, as I said, I think there's a there's a couple of players. Look, even in the back line, uh, Samuel and Matt Komalafi could easily be playing up at New yeah, South Wales I, I think Cup. They, they could be absolutely. I think if we're going to have a big win, they're going to be the difference makers. Those sort of players, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and and we've had Ryan Jones, who's been up playing. And New South Wales Cup New level South as Cup well, yep. and, and has gone well. Uh, we're getting to see um, players like Tony Matelli coming uh, back from injury, <clears throat> and uh, I think this is our this is our first or second look at Jacob Davis at this level. Uh, I think it'd be the second. I'm pretty certain he played another game at Kellyville earlier this year. Yeah, yeah. I've I've, I've got a well. Did he come off the bench against uh, the Storm? Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, but yeah, I just had a feeling that we had seen him in another he's, match. He's definitely he was... played another game this year. I have a quick gander while we're having a yarn. Um, but yeah, he, he's a player that came to us by way of Newcastle. Uh, seems that looking at the footage that we've seen and a little bit we saw in the SG Ball is a running dummy half for a pretty good athletic profile. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's being brought onto the bench to provide that running injection when he comes. And so, um, and then, you know, we've got uh, Larry and Jack Colavardi on the bench as well. It's, look, I, I have to say, I think that's quite a strong bench with uh, Davis, Colavardi, Mattaelli, and uh, big Larry Muagatutia. It, it's a very well balanced bench. Yeah, I do like what's on the uh, interchange. Starting pack's probably just a little bit weaker this week by the way of some of the players that haven't been uh, included just, you know, by injury suspension, all the things that become a factor there. But, yeah, uh, on, on paper, this should be a game the Eels win. It's just the the process for the flag has been very difficult this year, and it's hard to, for me to be confident about them coming out and dominating a team. But then again, we saw against Canberra, on, you know, it's a difficult road trip, and they went there hyper-focused and produced some incredible footy. So they've got it in them. So I'm, I'm hoping, like I said, that your prediction is close to the truth. Yep, yep. And so which now brings us to um, the next match. Yeah, on the so preview. hit the road and it's a doubleheader out at the Olympic Park, uh, Acor Stadium as it's now known, formerly ANZ Stadium. Eels taking on the Rabbitohs at uh, 5.10pm as the curtain raiser in the New South Wales Cup. And uh, it wasn't so long that the Eels were vying for the minor premiership in this level. Um, and they're not that far off the top of the ladder still, but a couple of losses have seen them slip from what felt like second or third down to seventh. Uh, the table-topping Panthers are on 22 points with the Eels down at 18 points. So like I said, the margin between the best and them isn't that far off, but all of a sudden it's very congested inside the top eight. Uh, and that's why, yeah. because it's a, it's a four-point drop-off to the next team. Uh, so, yeah, and you've got the, the Rabbitohs sitting two points in front of the yeah, Eels. exactly. So this is a game with a lot on the line when it comes to shaping up that top four. And, yeah, I just crazy that Eels in seventh, <coughs> then the Dragons in fourth uh, – sorry, uh, Eels in seventh with 18 points, Dragons in eighth with 14 points. So it's a – the Eels sit on, like, the – you know, that sort of cliff uh, where there are, there's a big fall off to the, the chasing teams. And this is a big game for them to try and knock off the Rabbitohs and get back into the top four. 
Four that they've got a team that looks like this. Jordan Rankin, captain, coach, and fullback. Not every something you get to say too often in this uh, level of competition. On the wing, Solomon Iduki and Sean Russell. In the centre, Zach Sini, Hayes Perham. It's a very solid back line all around. Halves, Jack A. Williams and young Jake Arthur. Uh, at lock, sorry, at lock forward. At prop forward, Offa Hickey Ogden and Wiramu Gregg. Dummy half is Mitch Rain. In the back row, the other player to play for the Cedars from the Eels, Eliel Zakem. Bryce Cartwright is the other edge. Nathan Brown is the lock on the bench. Brendan Hands, Tavita Talmapenu, Luke Bain, and Jaden Yates. So a lighter bench there, Hands and Yates, giving them two utility forwards. Uh, they're taking on the Rabbitohs team. Just looking at that roster. Uh, some names we'll recognize there. Uh, Jacob Gagai, obviously a former Parramatta Eels prospect a long time ago. But he's played a stack of NRL games at Cronulla and Newcastle. Uh, Richie Kenner has played for the Melbourne Storm. Josh Mansour, Blake Taff. Uh, then we go, Davy Mowale, was he playing for Cook Islands? Was he, he was, yeah. Yep. He had a, had a reasonable game. Shaquille Mitchell, uh, it's the big brother of Latrell. Michael Cheekham, uh, Liam Knight. This is actually a pretty good team. You can see why they're doing all right now. Yeah. On the yeah. bench, James Hassan. There you go. There's a blast from the past. Trent Peoples. Um, but, yeah, that starting team's got some serious strike power between the forwards and the backs. It, it's It's one of those... Look, I think it's a good matchup. It really is. It's when you see these sorts of matchups, it makes you even more realise why a team like, and again, I hate to keep coming back to it, the Mounties uh, are up against oh, it, it. It is an absolute golf in player talent on the two rosters, or so three rosters, even if you include the Eels, right? Who've got a very good New South Wales Cup team, too. It, yeah. It, the fact that Mounties have gotten three wins and that they're running third last in this competition, not second or last, they're running third last. It's impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're not. They are not a direct feeder club. They don't have someone that's dropped from first grade back to that grade because of players that are showing better form or injury circumstances or anything like that. They are they are a team that is trying to compete against other clubs that are the direct feeder clubs for NRL teams. So, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, and I know I keep coming back to it, but I, I'm just stunned that they have a team entered in this level without that connection. So <clears throat> It's not a good look yeah. for the two teams below them, though, Manly and Wests, <laughs> to yeah, exactly. have less wins than our Mounties. <clears throat> Absolutely. So, um, yeah, very, very good uh, line-up there to... To have uh, Blake Taff uh, at in the uh, in the halves for South, it's um, the experience that he's had this year with uh, the NRL team is um, is going to stand them in good stead. You you always like to see uh, that sort of experience in the spine in any team. So it's a bit it's a bit surprising that Cody Nicarima is getting not over him at utility. It feels like, but you know that's. That's the call they've made, and it means that the Eels got to face a pretty handy player in the halves here. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is where it it becomes hard to make a judgment from the perspective that we look at things with blue and gold coloured eyes, and we we make judgments based on how well we know the players, and we obviously know the Parramatta players and their form or their potential much better than we know the South Sydney players that are there. So some of the uh, less well-known 
amongst the South Sydney lineup. It's hard to make judgments on them, but I still look at this Parramatta team and I think to myself they they should acquit themselves fairly well. And I'm sure if the South Sydney team is looking at the Parramatta team in their tip sheet um, and also in their footage that they've looked at uh, in preparation for the match, they would have been identifying lots of danger players from the Eels because there's that smattering of first-grade experience as well as uh, players with potential that are looking to push up into the first-grade team either later in the year or, or, or next year or years down the track. So, um, look, I, I, it, I, it's bound to be a close match with this one. Yeah, well, the Rabbitohs come in on a three-game win streak uh, as opposed to the Eels who have dropped a couple in the last two outings. But... Those wins, Magpies, I think, who are last or second last, Dragons, who are the last team sit inside the eight, but that four-point difference between us and them. Uh, and then you've got the Seagulls, who I think are last. So they've beaten up on some lesser teams, but they also have some good wins in there. So I don't know. I, this is, like I said, on paper it's hard to call because this is a good opposition, but the Eels likewise have plenty of talent in their ranks. And um, I think they were a bit scratchy last two outings. Uh, and maybe the buy might be what they needed just to refocus. Look, I think they've missed Jordan, the Eels have missed Jordan Rankin. Oh, no, no doubt. He went down. They were in complete control against Canterbury when he went down, and then it was chaos for him after that. Uh, yeah. Because you know, Hayes Perrin went the fullback, who we know is a good fullback himself, but with no prep, the team hadn't really made the adjustment. They uh, got beaten by the Dogs, and they backed up against the Bears, who are another good team that uh, they just they didn't have, like I said, no Rankin just takes away – and it's not like they haven't got organised in the team. We know Jake Arthur's a good halfback in that regard. It's just that ranking gives the team just that extra stability, that the old head that just knows how to weather the storm. And it's good. Well, he, I mean, he's hes the coach now, like a captain coach. But even even prior to that, he's, he's the captain and on-field leader. He's in the key role of fullback. So he's organising the players in front of him. And, and that's in both attack and defence because – if you've, uh, we've been in the situation where we've been able to uh, watch not just Rankin in action at training when there, there's opposed sessions, but also there's been some New South Wales Cup games that have been played up at Kellyville. Uh, oh, and he, you, he can hear, you can hear his calling out on yeah. the field. And it's, it's not, as I said, it's not just the defence, which is the obvious one where they're really barking out to the players in front of them where to move and who to watch for and that sort of thing but also in attack where he's calling where he wants the next play to go to. Like he's, he's literally maneuvering the chess pieces in front of him as, as, uh, as the attack is unfolding. So he he plays such a crucial role as a, as a team leader there. And, and Parramatta have shown the faith that they have in him and his football brain to instill him as the captain coach for the remainder of this year. And I want to emphasise as well that from what I've seen at training, that he's not there steering the team on his own from a coaching perspective because they've got four coaches there um, outside of that. Plus, <clears throat> excuse me, they've also got the um, the flag coaches who get involved as well as as yeah, so it's not like, he, it's not like he's been thrown in the ocean and said, "Yeah, figure out how to swim yourself." Yeah, yeah. yeah he's got yeah, he's got so, the uh, support there. So they they've got the 
the uh, nothing has changed too much at all at training, right? So in preparation, it, it's in all honesty, it's almost the same. It is almost the same because what's basically happened is that David Kidwell's moved on. David Kidwell was an NRL coach, and you've had uh, Ryan, Ryan Carr Kyle. now moved up to handle the NRL responsibilities, but he's still there. He's still part of the coaching team. And all of the coaches have input into all of those teams. And he just gets that bit of off-field support on match days with the uh, pathways coaches able to help out with uh, being the person, you know, in the box or off the field watching what's going on uh, with messages. So, mm-hmm. yeah, not, not, too much, not too much changes at all there. But as I said... I think he's the big inclusion this week. I think he will be the difference maker. Well, um, speaking, you've got- speaking of changes, we mentioned it while covering the Jersey Flag, but Tom Oberchick not named. We're probably expecting him to come into this roster. How does that shake things up in your perspective? <clears throat> um, yeah, interesting. Whether it's a, a case of he comes into the centres and then you have a centre that moves Which to one of the wing probably spots. Probably Zach Sini, I'd say. He played, a bit yeah. of, he played a bit of wing there earlier. We know Hayes Perrin played wing in the NRL, but it's not. it was literally learning on the fly there for him. Um, we've seen Naiduki come off the bench a couple of weeks back, so the, the team wouldn't be opposed to bumping him back to the bench or out of a team, I suppose, too. Uh, so there could be a bit of a cascading flow on there if, if Tom comes in. Yeah, see, I've said either centre, and the reason that I've said that is my observations at training are that there seems to be a lot of work that's going into developing Zach Sini as a centre. They've had opportunities to play him on the wing. True, true. Because when you've had the players drop back or players that have been in and out and, you know, there's there's been opportunities that he could play wing and he hasn't. He's, he's maintained that centre position and he's maintained that centre position Ahead of other players, yeah, who could I mean, and to, to his credit, seen he's been pretty good. Like, the, yeah, there's been some eye popping numbers, and not just that. You watch him in the games, and he just has a, a knack of being so disruptive around the ruck, beating the first defender, uh, you know, making hard meters. We've seen some um, big efforts in defense in terms of cover defense as well. So uh, he's been very much a project for the Eels, but seems to be yielding some positive results early on. Yeah, there's he. Look, defending at centre requires someone to really make some good defensive decisions. Oh, you're, and, you're on an that, island. It's it's the toughest it's defensive the, position. Yeah, and it's a different communication that he's that you'd be making to that of a winger. You're playing next to the winger, but you're you're, you're making communication decisions for both your inside man and your outside mm-hmm. man, and uh, as opposed to you know, looking and follow, if you're out on the wing, you're following what your centre does out there uh, in a lot of cases. So, and then, of course, in attack, you're looking at someone at the role where you're involved in positioning your support players a bit more. And I think that's probably the aspect of the game that Zach needs to develop a little bit more is about the positioning of his winger and just being able to um, not be the one that finishes 
the play, but maybe be prepared to be the one that throws the pass for for the play to be finished. So I think I think he is that work in progress. You described him most aptly when he first came to the club and had those first few games that he needs the West Tigers coached out of him. Yeah. And I don't think that's a bad call at all. I think it's a very appropriate call because he's he's getting better with his decision-making, his play, the more that he's uh, with every week that's passing. And I think that it won't be too long in the future before Zach Sini makes an NRL appearance. It mightn't happen this year, but I think with a full preseason behind him, coming into next year. That, that's always maybe. the most telling thing for acquisitions like Sini when they come across, you know, after missing the preseason is how they adapt or, or react to the proper NRL preseason with the Eels. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, mate, in this one, I'm I'm going to tip an eight-point win to the Eels. I think Jake Arthur's kicking game will be critical in this. And I, I think that... Having the extra kicker in Jordan Rankin as well, like um, Jake gets a little bit of support from Jack Williams with the kicking, and I think just having that third kicker uh, possibility with Jordan Rankin as well can take a bit of the pressure off Jack Williams, and I think by virtue of that, free Jake a little bit more for the attacking kicks. And we know that Jake's got uh, precision kicks with those uh, from close range. Some of his grubbers are, uh, are quite extraordinary. And when he when he hoists the the short bomb for the chasing back rower uh, and centre, they they can be um, you know putting on tries almost at will when uh, when he's landing them right on the line. There, it's just a matter of how good is the chase. So. Look, I think he's going to play a, a, a critical role as well. So, yeah, I'm tipping an eight-point win to mm-hmm. the Eels. Uh, I'll go 26-18. 26-18. It's funny you say 26 because while you were talking about uh, the sort of your lead-up to your actual prediction, I was just looking at recent results. And I say recent, I'm going back to like single-digit rounds now in the New South Wales Cup. And the it feels like the average victor's score is sort of set at 26 or more here. Like, I'm seeing 26 a lot, often 30s or 40s. So it's a high-scoring year for the New South Wales Cup when it comes to the margin of victory for uh, any given team. So 26-18 is probably a pretty reasonable line to set in that regard. Um, I'm going to go... I mean, I look at these two teams on paper and it is hard to separate them. Uh, so that probably points towards a close result if both teams play anywhere near their potential. Got a back and Eels win here, obviously. I'll go 34-22. And with the, uh, I suppose, rugby league equivalent of appetizers done, we move on to the main event, the main course. This one, like I said, is part of the double header, so it is the main event at Acor Stadium, 7.35 p.m. kickoff. The South Sydney Rabbitohs are hosting the Parramatta Eels. We'll go through the uh, opposition team list first as we are want to do, 60s, but at fullback, and it feels like this happens so often with the blue and gold. But uh, hey, look, it's a star player coming back from a long layoff. Hooray! Latron Mitchell's back, and he's going to be looking to impress ahead of Origin 3 up in Queensland. And uh, Eel's going to have to do their best to contain one of the... I mean, he's not always the most consistent player, but geez, when he's on, he's so devastating. 
and try and contain him in his return to NRL activities. On the wings, Alex Johnston and Jackson Paulo. In the centres, Tane Milne and Campbell Graham. Halves pairing is Cody Walker and Lachlan Ilias. Front row, Tavita Tatoa, Mark Nichols. They're the two bookends. Damian Cook is the dummy half. Keon Kaloma Tangi and Jai Arrow on the edges. Cameron Murray is the lock forward. So that's a pretty good back row right there. On the bench, we already mentioned him, but Cody Nikarima, his utility. Thomas Burgess, Saliva Havili, and Hame Sele add the beef to the interchange. Extended roster, Blake Taff, Isaiah Tass, Liam Knight, Ben Lovett, and Davey Mowale, all part of a New South Wales Cup team that we just previewed. For the Eels, uh, I don't think there's too many changes this week, but it's um, not a bad thing. Quinton Gufferson is captain and fullback. Mike Acevo and Bailey Simonson are on the flanks. Will Penasini and Wanga Blake return from rep round. They're in the centres. Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses, 5'8", halfback respectively. In the front row, it's Big Reagan, Campbell Gillard and Junior Barlow. Reed Money is the dummy half. In the back row, Sean Lane, Isaiah Papali'i and Ryan Madison. We're going to have to talk about that because there could be a little change there if the media is right. On the bench, it's Makahesi Makatoa, Murata Niakore, Oregon Kafusi, and Kai Rodwell. Extend the roster, Tom Opachik, Jake Arthur, Nathan Brown, Bryce Cartwright, and Hayes Perrin. Well, we we got some stuff we can talk about the Parramatta Reels, mate, but you can't talk about the South Sydney Rabbitohs without talking about how they're a little bit of our kryptonite in recent years. Like, we we've, we lose to other teams because that's the nature of rugby league, even when you're the best, even when you're at the Penrith Panthers and you're, you know, you're winning 90% of your games, you still drop the odd game here or there. But the Rabbitohs are the one team it feels like have consistently put a number on us in the last couple of years. How close are they to full strength this week? They can't be too far off. Do they have a have an injury report? I'm just trying to think. Uh, who else could they be missing? Because getting Latrell back is like the big thing, right? That is the the play they've been waiting months for. So naturally, he returns against Parramatta. Um, do they put up an injury report for Team West Tuesday? Uh, Team West. Maybe it's part of their team list. Here's oh, your rabbit. That's the video. We don't need that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure who else could be. Well, let's look at their teams then. Uh, Johnston, Graham, Cody Walker. Yep. Uh, I mean, Josh Mansour is not in the team on in, on form. Uh, they've got better options. So the back line's full strength. And in the pack... Yeah, they're, they're full strength. <laughs> they're, they ain't missing nobody, mate. <laughs> yeah, that that's what I'm looking at is that, to me, it seems like they're going to struggle to field a team that's any stronger than this. Now, you're talking about the recent history where they've been our kryptonite, m- most definitely, because they they have that ability to be able to have the backline shifts they catch not not just Parramatta. No, no, like they're faced on the Parramatta Eels, but their their left edge attack is among the best in the competition consistently. And obviously, they've been a little bit. Oh, I wouldn't say it's a, a a terrible year, but it's been a bit of a downturn in terms of their production this year. But across the last few years, they've just been an incredibly potent attacking outfit. And the Eels, unfortunately, have uh, worn the full fury of that a couple of times. Look, they seem to do opposition teams for numbers when they do yeah, those oh, shifts. They, they, they are very good at getting connecting halves, uh, which can strip a team for numbers very quickly. And, I mean, you have Troll Mitchell and Alex Johnston chiming in at the back end of that, and that's a pretty rare combination of speed in Johnston's case and just both speed and power for Mitchell. Yeah, it was, I was talking about this last night with Para through and through, 
because when you when you watch it happening, there's a couple of things. The, the first thought is it's quite simplistic, the shift. It just seems like a pretty straightforward shift from right to left. And you mentioned the the halves being able to link. Uh, the other thing is too, and and this is what um, Para through and through was pointing out was it's almost like the fullback hides behind and and suddenly appears. Yep. Uh, in, so that, disguise, in that shift. Disguising the shape, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so basically they fan. They start off a little narrower and fan out as the as the ball gets shifted. So this is what catches out opposition teams is that that ability to go from appearing for the team with a compressed defense that they've got them covered for numbers, but all of a sudden the fanning happens and they've got one or two extra to choose from because you you look at the tries that they that they score and quite often the the winger is strolling in for the try and you're not talking about having to do a big oh, dive I, I, but we've seen it plenty of times against the Eels the it's pass. untouched casually touching yeah. the ball down with ease so yeah yeah they, they've and got as some... I said, not, not not just against Parramatta either but it's it's when they are on song with this that they are able to do that against some of the best defensive teams. Now, this year, it just hasn't been like their entire game hasn't been working as well. Let's face it, their defense has been caught out. They haven't looked quite as potent, but they still, when they get that movement right, they are still scoring those type of tries. You wouldn't have Alex Johnson scoring the number of tries that he that he has even this year without them still having moments where they do that well. So where Parramatta have to be guarded is against that. Now, if, if Parramatta control the middle, they, they can guard against that. Now, in, in probably in most circumstances, except for the old scrum play, and South, South love putting on that fan movement as well from a scrum play. Um, they they seem to be able to score off scrums maybe better than most other teams. But again, uh, we'll, we'll keep coming back to it. The, the Parramatta were able to play expansive football uh, in their last up victory over the Roosters, but they still won the middle. Like they, they had the defence going backwards via those carries and the offloads were coming on the back of the of the defense dominating being disorganized, exactly. Yeah, they that, dominate. That, that is literally the team's calling card. You you win the ruck, and then all of a sudden you can be the best, you know, side the side team in the competition. Like the lateral yeah. ball movement for our team is incredible once they win the ruck. Yeah, and this is where like critics of of BA will talk about that the intensity that's required to play the Parramatta brand of football isn't isn't something that can be sustained for long periods of time. And I'd maintain that any team's um, highest intensity football, is it's difficult to sustain it for for a year. Like Penrith amazed me at the level that they're able to stay at for most of the year. I mean, we saw last night with the Melbourne Storm, they were diabolical. That was a bizarre. That was a bizarre game. <laughs> that one right there. They were uh, they were asleep for seventy minutes until Manly were asleep for the last ten minutes. Yeah, so. but they look. They 
I, I doubt that I've seen a worse Melbourne Storm performance no, that, that than last night. Bellamy would I mean, be tearing strips out of him for sure. Well, I remember uh, at one stage I turned to Yoko and I said, this might be one of the few appearances of Nicarima in uh, in first grade for the Storm. Yeah. And then, like, next thing I look, and he's not even on the field in that game. He'd, he'd been hooked. Uh, but he he wasn't on his own. The the Manly was scoring at ease, busting tackles because the Storm just didn't have that intensity at all. Like they they I don't know whether that start of the game made them think that they had that game easy, but it was it was far from that. But anyway, just coming back to that level of intensity that's that's needed, I'd maintain that. You don't have to be at 100% intensity. You just have to be uh, like you have to have intent. Uh, you know, the, the, yes, there's a level of intensity, but you have to have intent in the forwards that you are going to win that middle and that you are going to go through your processes. And then when you win the middle, it becomes an easier process to start to play the sort of football that we saw Parramatta play to get all those points up in the first half. Yes, they had to they had to go back into the grind in the second half because the Roosters brought it and the Roosters had the flow of the game and the Roosters got the flow of some of those calls where they're allowed to lay all over Parramatta and slow up that momentum that Parramatta had in the first half. But again, it, like the the top teams can play with a certain level of intensity that's better than the opposition teams on a regular basis. And maybe, maybe, you know, that's that's a, a problem for us. I don't know. But we know that we we play our best football when our forwards play with intensity and intent and lay that platform. And I know it's a cliche about laying the platform. I mean, sport, but is, is there a sport that encompasses cliches better than rugby league? It is a simple, look, it is a simple game. When you distill it down, and don't have to distill it too much, and that that's why you hear the same catch cries. You talk about completion rates competing in the ruck, because if you do that and you build that platform, suddenly the rest of the game opens up so quickly. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you saw that there was, it was, as I said, it was a game of two halves from the 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 style of play that was there from Parramatta against the Roosters, mm-hmm. but they weren't able to play that. The, the how they were playing in the first half because the Roosters were playing a little bit different, as I said, and also we saw out there what the how the calls were going, and and I don't think television television does it justice in terms of how the Roosters were slowing up the game and and just kept getting uh, more and more audacious with what they were prepared to do to slow Whistle up the fatigue, run. Man, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, look, it was. It was there. You could see it in the last five to ten minutes of the first half where we started saying, look at them, they're slowing them, they're, they're laying all over in the ruck, they're, they're trying to, to stop the momentum, they're getting away with it. And then it was the entire second half where they just did it time and time again. It didn't matter how much the crowd was calling out, and believe me, the crowd was calling out the same thing about them laying all over in the ruck, about them slowing up in the ruck, about them interfering in the ruck. And nothing. They couldn't. Parramatta couldn't buy a penalty in that second half. Couldn't buy a six again. And yet, all the evidence was there 
that there should have been multiple calls for either. But anyway, that's that's by the by, that's last week. Um, so I'm expecting that Parramatta will be focused, will be focused on on winning the middle, and it's a challenge for them against the South Sydney pack. And, uh, you know, I'm... It, it's I funny too because that, that, play... that back exactly. row is yeah. good, but that front row on paper isn't that great, yet they always bring their A game against us. Mark yeah. Nichols and Totoa, uh, Tommy Burgess off the bench. Like, the, it's not an A-lister front row rotation, but they certainly, against the Eels, have a way of being disruptive. Yeah. So I'm I'm expecting uh, a game that's going to be a six to eight point game. I, I'm actually going to predict a similar sort of score to the reserve grade, or the same score. I'm going to predict Parramatta's 26 to 18, winners over South. I am I'm going to nominate uh, Wonga Blake for first try scorer, and the man of the match. I'm going to nominate Ice with this one. Always, I mean, it's always a good like pick if you get it out of a, a lucky draw or a sweepstakes, and you get Zai Papali is best on field. You're always like, yeah, I got a good chance of that, you know. He's uh, yeah. you know, been been very good for us this year, backing up his breakout year in 2021. Before I get to my prediction, just wanted to talk about, there was a bit of a report this week in the media that Ryan Madison's carrying uh, some sort of rib injury out of that win against the Roosters and it's put him in under an injury cloud ahead of his game. Um, if that is true, we'd obviously expect a reshuffle. Um, probably you'd expect Murata to stay on the bench for impact, so that they'd start one of Macca or Oggy, you'd say, 60s and then bring someone onto the bench, whether it's Nathan Brown or Bryce Cartwright. Uh, but we have to wait and see tomorrow for the late mail for that one to uh, reveal itself. Look, if it is the case of Ryan Madison being out, then I think logic dictates that it would be Nathan Brown that would come in to uh, fill the hole. And based on uh, past and the recent past, you'd suggest that Murata would be the player that would uh, take the play, his place in the starting 13. I'm not ruling out Oregon in being in the starting 13. Well, I like, I like Mac or Oregon being in the starting 13 just to soak up the early pressure, then let Murata tee off. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I'd, I'd hope that whoever comes into the starting 13 is starting in 13 and doesn't involve a switch of ice back to the middle. But, I mean, you can that's – the, that's the coach's call there. Yeah. I, I like ice. I, the, right nothing edge. wrong with what ice is produced in the middle, but I really do like ice on an edge. Yeah, I agree. I agree, which then leads me to my prediction. With or without Ryan Madison, I think this is a game you still would want the Eels to win. Uh, I think there's enough strength of roster across the rest of those 16 players, uh, plus whoever gets called in uh, to facilitate that process. You went for the same margin. Um, I mean, once again, recent history says the Rabbitohs are going to be tough to beat, uh, but I'm going to go for a pretty big win here. I'll go for 36-16. So um, well, I was, was 32-20 or 32-22 in the cup, so push it out a bit either way for that one there. First try scorer... Uh, you went Wonga Blake, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, I will go Sean Lane. 
he's had a, a knack of being in the right place at the right time in terms of try creation. I think it's time he bags one himself. Best on field. He went for ice. I will go for Reagan Campbell-Gillard. Big man's got to back up what was a pretty solid game against the Roosters. And uh, keep reminding – well, I'm not sure if Fit will be paying any attention, but, you know, keep reminding Freddie that he exists for an unlikely origin free call-up. Yeah, you know, I've, I've said that I don't want them to change origin two – the Origin 2 team, but that simply goes along with the same reason that I didn't want them to change Origin 1, that I think if you've earned the call up to Origin, that you deserve to keep your place in the team unless you have an absolute shocker. And uh, I think, for, you know, we've, we've gone over this in great length, but um, I think it was wrong to make all the changes. I don't think it was validated by the by the result. I think, the, I think New South Wales were going to win anyway with a couple of tweaks to the team. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, you know, it's probably to our advantage now that uh, Reg and uh, and Maddo aren't selected because we, when it comes to our next match that coincides with Origin, we won't be missing those players. So when we, were, when we had three players in the team, we had the bye. Yeah. So when we so, play, so, when the next so Origin game there. is selected, team is selected, um, we will only be uh, without uh, Junior. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be selfish here as a Parramatta supporter and say quite happy yeah. that this is... I mean, they're, they're two not... pillars of the team. So that that is a huge thing for the Eels to have. And uh, I suppose you talk about Origin elevating players. In, in the case of Reg, his game is as good as it's going to get, right? And that's a fantastic thing. So it's obviously more for him, just the, the personal... Uh, glory there when it comes to making origin. So being, like you said, a little bit selfish, it is nice for the Eels to have those two men on deck. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, mate, and then we've got, um, we will have our instant Yeah, I, I was just about to say, I'm not sure if you realise, we talked about going back to back on the podcast, but we're going yeah, back yeah. to back to back. Yes, yeah, yes. The, the Thursday, uh, Friday, our, Saturday, super streams. Yeah, uh, circumstances this week with the... Um, uh, our availability for podcasts and then fitting in with the draw. It just so happens to be that we are going back to back to back. So we've gone the three-peat the with three our peat. podcast this week. And um, and just a reminder for people who, who like to listen to the radio call that our very own Spiro Christopoulos will be the sideline eye for 2GB's call of the South and Para game this week. So... He's making his the, debut as the sideline. The world eye. moves fast, doesn't it? He goes from, uh, you know, obviously working there, and then suddenly one opportunity comes with the Pacifica Test matches, and he, he jumps there and, and fills in and does a great job. And all of a sudden, he's the sideline eye. So really awesome to see Spiro making some big moves there, and yeah, um, show some love to him. Oh, mate, he's uh, he is a a young bloke who's going places in the rugby league media, and we're we're very pleased that he's. Uh, wanted to be a part of the Cumberland throw and uh, down the track when he's he's calling the games for uh, 2GB or any other media organisation, you know, it might be for the TV, the, one of the broadcasters in the future, we, we don't know. But certainly at this uh, young age, he's he's making incredible progress within the rugby league media. He's it's respected. The, the, the legendary the TCT rub, mate, clearly. Clearly, the TCT <laughs> run. 
<laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, it's been it, it's fantastic to be a part of that uh, of that journey that Spiro's going on at the moment. And uh, yeah, so if you if you're listening to the two GB uh, broadcast this week, and I know a lot of people like to listen to radio broadcasts while they're watching the uh, the TV coverage, then uh, yeah, look out for Spiro there as the sideline eye. As always, thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen on the preview podcast. You can catch uh, goals preview going up later today or tomorrow, sixties. Uh, yeah, it'll, uh, look, I haven't, uh, I haven't seen it yet to edit, but it normally comes in on uh, late or mid to late on the day before. Yeah. So if it's not up later tonight, it'll be up tomorrow morning. Yeah, and so- then, of course, we've got our uh, our coverage of the Jersey flag match. Correct. That will be up from ten thirty tomorrow morning. So whether that's a, the full blog or whether it's the uh, score updates, the those people who love updates. their lower grades will be able to find out how the Eels are progressing by visiting TCT. And then obviously the full battery of post-game content, starting with that instant reaction podcast that we get on, win, lose, or draw. And then you obviously have some grades. There'll be showy uh, and a few other bits and pieces. So yeah, make sure to visit thecumberlandthrow.com, catch us on all our socials, And beyond that, make sure you guys have a great time. We'll catch you next episode. Go you wheels.